Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Jim Gray. Hey, hey. Talking about Gray. Jim Gray. Jim Jell. Gray Slide. Okay, is it too loud, too soft? I got the little thingy here. Is it too loud or too soft, or what is it? Sounds pretty good. Do I sound good to you? I mean, you sound solid. Yeah, it sounds yeah. not. It's not. Uh, I mean, you have good loud. equipment on. I mean, look, you have headphones on. I'm just talking to like a 19 year old computer. <laughs> just kind of the way I roll. Have you ever tried it with headphones? Uh, no, I really haven't. Uh, it's I a lot more pleasurable. Um, I've tried the AirPods, even the Pros. It's not as good as just like these. I just. They don't have to even be expensive. Just you know, it just feels more. Um, I'll have to try it one of these days. I think I, I, think I have some with a, with a microphone, and I'm. I guess I'll just have to try that one of these days. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to start with a simple thing, and that is welcome to another episode of Believe in Skateboarding. Um, we always start out with the stupidest question on earth, and that is, "I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you?" <laughs> uh, I, I'm Ken Hodder. Who the hell are you? <laughs> I already said I'm Jim Gray. Well, I start out with an argument. I don't think I've actually started a podcast with an argument yet. Um, <laughs> So uh, just trying to go along, you know, I'm just trying, trying to go to, along. Okay. Yeah. So, so, Ken, so Ken Hada, you, uh, you know, you have your own podcast. That's uh, that's a good subject here. Uh, just to start with is that we've actually done right. a podcast together. Yeah. Your podcast is called, I had a conversation, correct? Yep. Uh, so right. Tell us about that. How many have you done? Wow. Not a lot. You know, I tried to um, just, I, in the very beginning I was going to just do, it was just, just, people that I knew very well. And then it slowly kind of slid into like people that I was sort of interested in knowing more about. Okay. Yeah. So very few. Well, I don't do, like, you know. 20, I mean, 15, I don't even know. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, I know a lot of people because I take classes and I, I, um, you know, through skateboarding and through music. So uh, maybe, maybe 30, maybe. Okay. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds in the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. I mean, I mean hey, skateboarding is a big world. I, I've, I'm supposed to do a weekly podcast, so I think this is like <laughs> podcast 48 or something for me. Yeah, um, nice. Out of if I considered when I kind of started it, I probably should be on podcast 65 or 67. <laughs> um, well, there's no perfect, you know. There's I take no time perfect. off randomly. I don't really know why. Uh, actually, here's because you have to have a life because you have to live. I don't really plan. I, I bump into people who ask him. I recorded Steve Cavallaro last week because he had some stickers that were done. I'm like, hey, I'm going to ship these stickers out to you. By the way, we still need to do a podcast. He goes, well, I'm pretty, I have, I have a good amount of time this week. I go, okay, how about blah, blah, I threw out a morning, right? And then you and I had a conversation and it was yeah. similar uh, things like, hey, Ken, we should do a podcast. You're like, yeah. hey, you gave me a date and I put it in. I've actually used the calendar. Yours, yours might be the first one I ever put in my calendar. And it reminded me, <laughs> I woke up this morning, of course, forgetting I had anything to do. You did. Uh, and somebody asked me if I'd go skateboarding and I go, sure, I'll meet you at 11 o'clock at Etnies. And then I go, yeah, oh, shit, I got a, I got a podcast. I <laughs> said I was going to do. So how about we go at 1230 or one? And they said, good. So, yeah. Matter of fact, I can That's only do about an hour today because uh, I got some stuff uh, that I can't get out of, but uh, yeah, no, 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 you and I, we talk so much an hour people will be, they're going to need Dramamine. <laughs> no, we won't let them have Dramamine. So, <laughs> so it's different. Cause when we, we did your podcast, I mean, you literally, 
asked a couple of questions and just let me ramble on. And obviously anyone who's listened to my podcast realized I'm pretty good at rambling on. I'm going to try to turn this a little bit, make you talk a little bit because oh, sure. I talk way I too do much. love to hear you talk though. I, I'm not joking. I mean, as a matter of fact, your podcast is very popular on my, uh, you know, on my hat. I had a conversation. Well, I think it's only because I say things that a lot of people won't say. I yeah. Mean, a lot of very obvious stuff that surrounds the skateboard world, the skateboard industry. And a lot of people just choose to pretend it's not there. You know, um, sometimes I get some people, someone will write me a note like, dude, you need to drop the, you know, the anger. I was like, well, I'm not really angry. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm irritated by a lot of stuff that's happened historically in skateboarding. And I'm not going to lie about it to make somebody yeah. feel better. And I'm also not going to try to dwell on it to cry about it forever either. But the reality is shit happens. You know, I've been caught up in a lot of it. A lot of it's affected me and other people. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, to skateboarders, it's interesting because we don't have that, you know, we didn't see what you saw. Yeah, you know, and, I'm, and my, I do my podcast again for me. The reason I, I wrote a list when I decided to do a podcast, I think I came up with about 150 names. I started writing names of people I kind of know yeah. closely, loosely, have, have come across in the skateboard world, or even that I've met through skateboarding that aren't really skateboarders. You know, people that manage bands, things like that. I haven't really gotten to most of them because, again, I don't really do good at scheduling. I asked you, hey, let's do a podcast. Yeah. And I ran into you. Every time Christian comes over here to get stickers, I'm like, Christian, when are we going to do a podcast? He's like, oh, man, not today. I'm busy. You know what I mean? But it's like one day he'll sit yeah. down and it's, it's, it's yeah. much more organic for me. Right. Uh, and I like it that way. So, so I just want to say what... I'm never too busy for Jim Gray. No, stop. Oh God. Um, that was a good, uh, that, that was, that was good for, can, I'm going to use that clip. I'm just joking. That, it's just a joke. That's going to be the clip I'll use when I promote this podcast. I'm never <laughs> too busy for Jim Gray. Uh, so tell me what's the most interesting thing you've learned about doing podcasts or learned from oh. doing podcasts. You know, that, that they're like a photograph. Like, I think it's really cool that you uh, saw Steve and you said, oh, let's do one. And then he agreed to do it because, um, you know, it's capturing this moment in yours and his life forever. And um, I agree. You know, it's like an archive. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we we're old. So we know that, wow, we could really experience all this bitch and shit. And then the clock just keeps going. So it's a great thing to get a little, you know. And, and and for people that know and love you, they're gonna love to or hear hate this. me. Either way, it's just the people well, who are curious. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny. Some of the people who actually throw hatred towards me are people that know me the least. You know mm. what I mean? That's the thing. It's the people who just don't like that I will say something yeah. that goes against something that they fantasize about in skateboarding, or whatever I like get. So they just throw some hatred out there. And I'm like, okay, right. whatever, man. You know, maybe yeah. if you meet me, maybe you won't hate me so much. But same point, go for it. You know, I don't. I don't know anybody would hate you. But I tell you, Jim, you're lucky because nobody, I, I, I mean, some people hate me, but, you know, hate, hate's still something, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I may hate, maybe hate's a strong word. People just like don't appreciate or get irritated or, yeah. or angry. And I understand where I fit in completely. I show up at a session sometimes and I irritate guys because there's a lot of people that are super serious. Mm-hmm. I laugh. I show up and I laugh. I fall down. I giggle. I mean, like, yeah. what the hell? Like, I've I've had my glory days in skateboarding. Um, mm-hmm. I like. I'm stoked. I've got to watch everyone from Stacy Peralta to the Nigel Houston. You know, just watch all these new generations coming forward. Um, I consider myself the luckiest guy in skateboarding. You know, for all the things I've got to do, from the yeah. eras I've got to skate in, I got to manufacture skateboards, sponsor people, be sponsored, do all that stuff. You know, so yeah, it's so um, cool. Yeah, and I've got to see a lot of the country. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of the world. The world was not so open in my era of skateboarding other than yeah. the top 10 guys maybe saw the world a little bit more mm-hmm. you know i wasn't quite there but i saw in the 80s i saw like 35 to 40 states you know wow. i gotcha so just every weekend me and lester kasai or rob roscoff or jeff kendall or like and we'd all be meeting in minneapolis or columbus ohio or whatever we'd stay for the weekend the rep would you know wine and dine us and we'd we'd do a demo in a parking lot and and they'd always give us the tour of the town and so like that so i got i mean gosh skateboarding let me see what this country wow. has in it you know Tom, remind me again what Gotcha was. I, I'm getting so damn old. I, I know what Gotcha it is, was but... like. Gotcha was basically Quicksilver's competition. They were a clothing company. Oh, they were kind of right. sur- surf right. based, yeah. more or less. And at the, at the time, uh, coming out of like the 70s and the 80s, Gotcha and Quicksilver were like the powerhouses. Kind of right. like now, you might say in the surf business, it would be like Volcom and Hurley and Ruka. You know, those guys were like oh, the. Yeah kind of the surf powerhouses and the cycle just continues to change. And so right. um, I feel very well. I a young kid, what it was like writing for Gotcha. I go, it's like as if you rode for Volcom today. Yeah. That was like, I was. I would love to hear some of those stories. Someday. Some <laughs> of the Lester Kasai Gotcha stories. Cause you know, uh, I used to skate with Lester at Skatopia. Well, Lester's, Lester is truly one of my best friends in skateboarding. Um, he's an incredible human. Uh, very, he's very shy and uh, 
what did I do here? Okay. Um, he's very shy and uh, kind of calm in his demeanor. Uh, and he, he spoke with his skateboarding. His skateboarding was where his power came out, his angst or whatever you want to call it, his, his skill, his athleticism. Um, Lester, and Lester liked me because I was pretty calm, didn't cause trouble, so like that. So I usually paired up with calm people. For I worked at Transworld and, and through that crew, and we did a lot of traveling. I always traveled with Grant Britton. He was almost always oh, he's my, so cool. he was my roommate. He's got because, that book right uh, right now. I haven't even seen it yet, but I mean, oh, I think yeah. I got to buy that me a copy of it. You but can't I can't not seen. own that book. If you're a skateboard photographer, you can't not own Grant. Oh, no, that book's going to do great. I think my friend Steve like like bought me a copy and he yeah. sent me pictures of it, but I haven't got it yet. But yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah but I would stay with Grant because, you know, we were both married, little, little, little older than the average guy there. We weren't uh, weren't quite as wild. So we shared a lot of hotel rooms together. And when Lester would go on a gotcha, a lot of the gotcha stuff, to be honest, Lester was a superstar um yeah you know, so sure. wrote, wrote for him uh rob roscop all these guys you know they they were the ones who were demanded okay so a gotcha dealer or a whatever you know the rap water he wanted to get lester there he wanted to get you know someone else there i because i was part of the other generic team right you know there's yeah. like always 10 guys and five of them are superstars the other five just are along for the ride well i was along for the ride and i knew that but Sweet. Lester liked That's me. That's a great thing. No, it is. It is a great thing. I, I've, Don't you think? Everything I've seen in skateboarding, all these old movies, Animal Chin, doesn't matter what it was. I stood in the Animal Chin ramp the day it was finished. Yeah. You know, no one would know that but me because I happened to be there and know where it was, watch it get built, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, never even got to skate it, to be honest. But, I mean, it was like just things like that, you know, and all these contest videos. And even when they do documentaries on good stuff and bad stuff, whether it's Jeff Phillips or or, you know, um, Gator or like that. I just look, I was laughing, dude, I was there. I was there. I was there. Yeah. Uh, and and cool. yeah, luckily I didn't. And I also can go out in public and not get like, that's like, what hey, I mean. Oh my God. Like Tony Hawk probably can't go anywhere anymore. The grocery yeah. store. No, I can. Or trust God. anybody. I mean, you get all the good shit when you're a friend of a star. Kind of. So, so I was Lester's sidekick. Lester would say, that's so cool. Um, they, what did they, you, you know, do? They Kick want Terrence out of there? I want you're Jim like, to come Terrence. Get the hell out of here. I'm I'm Lester's sidekick now. <laughs> Terrence got to be a Sadland sidekick. <laughs> I, I was his uh, gotcha demo sidekick. So That's Lester clear. would say, I want Jim to come with me. So I went with Lester on probably like, 20 of those states. I probably saw because Lester requested that I did. So thank you, Lester Kasai, for helping. That's sweet. Country. And I should did you know do a that podcast I, with I, Lester too, huh? I did one with Lester. I never, I haven't released it yet. And I did it um, back in 2012. And you're holding on to it. You're waiting till it hits 10 years old. Is that? Uh... Well, no, you know what it was is that um, I did one with Jana Payne. I did one with a bunch of people from Skatopia. I was just trying to do like a Skatopia. I knew nobody was going to make a movie about Skatopia. So I thought, well, I'll start recording. There was no such, I don't think there was a thing as podcast back then. So I just would go to my, these people that I knew from Skatopia and I would say, let's, let's talk about Skatopia. And, uh, and then Jana Payne had a pretty revealing, painful, it's, it's up to her to talk about what it is, you know, thing. And it kind of made me afraid to release it all because I thought, shit, like, where's my li liability and all this? And uh, oh, wow, I had no idea. Well, yeah. Jenna, I, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope, uh, yeah, whatever pain that is, you've uh, you've gotten past it because, because unfortunately, you know, pain does linger. Yeah. And it was, yeah. So it's, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say a thing about it, but it's her thing. And it really shocked me. Um, I'm a pretty empathetic person. So I was like, well, should I better put this on the fucking back burner? And then I just kind of forgot about it. So, so the one, you know, when Brian Martin, this guy, my friend Brian Martin died. Yeah. That's one of the ones I did back then. I pulled that out. I was like, well, I'll put that. That's out. nice. And I, I love Brian. Brian was nice. I mean, I, I know what you see happen with skateboarding is we all grew up like, like ourselves, the seventies, eighties. And it was, that was a real pioneering era. Pretty much everything that, that happened in skateboarding was invented between like 77 and 82 or three, as far as tricks. Everything today is a variation of that, an amazing True. variation, incredible variation, but oh, every, unbelievable. unbelievable nose grab, tail grab, tail slide, yeah. nose grab, front truck, back truck. I mean, you oh. name it, board slide, you know, um, it's mind blowing what they do now. It is. It is. But it was all developed back then. And we lived it. We grew up. We were kids. We got to experience um, that uh, first generation of skate parks and watch them get built uh, and watch the scene grow up. I mean, gosh, we don't go back to Skatopia. Right. So my, my craziest memory of Skatopia is I'm like a little 13 or 14 year old kid when it opens my brother drags me there and i'm yeah. you know, having fun and and greg weaver shows up you know who is oh, wow fucking, i didn't even meet greg weaver till five or six years ago he's an awesome guy never but you know all i remember is the pictures of greg weaver that stylish surfer guy with the blonde hair and you know um and yeah. and i remember how different things were and he literally showed up with a brand new board and i remember him getting wow. a, getting a rag out and 
polishing his wheels off before he went out into the park. <laughs> and to me, that was like the epitome of, of like being, you know, if you admire baseball players watching, you know, Babe Ruth come out and like, and, and polish his glove off before he gets oh. on the field. And I was just, I was just kind of tripping out, like what a different life that was. I was a kid scrapped together with like a homemade board, some wheels I bought at a band store, <laughs> yeah. some leftover trucks from somewhere. And then I see him like in this perfect outfit, matched clothing, <laughs> helmet, elbow pads, polishing his wheels with a photographer yeah. in tow coming to take a picture of him. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and then I remember Steve Cathy telling me the same thing. Like, yeah, they used to go and like put up, they'd like almost put together a new board for every session. Yeah, wow. every time they went and, out to another session. And that would be kind of, wouldn't that couldn't that be problematic too? Because I was always sort of superstitious. Like, it took me a while to get used to a board. And... Oh no, for sure. I, I can't change yeah. boards. Oh my god, are you kidding? I ride boards that are noodles. I mean, I weigh a lot, and I do disastrous flex boards. They get all noodly. I ride <laughs> them until I either like have to change. There's no there's no <laughs> other hope where I crack it or something. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't like change at all. Uh, so, but yeah, but, but seeing those stories, I was truly like walking in seriously, like I said, walking into the, you know, the all-star game, if you're a baseball fan, seeing every star, like, oh my God, these guys showing up. And that's, that's uh, why that, that was I, my yeah. first memory of Skatopia. My second was the, one of the harshest things I've ever seen in skateboarding. And that was, I was leaning over the railing at the half pipe yeah. and, um, uh, Raybone Rodriguez was there riding a quick tail, the, the, the oh, aluminum, those metal, those, aluminum those metal. board. Yeah. And there was a kid leaning on the rail, looking over. And Ray leaned back and speared his board and hit the kid straight dead oh, in the forehead and on. cracked his entire skull open. And I was like three feet away, just going, holy shit, you know? Um, yeah. And wow. uh, and I remember it took me many years till I really you know got to know Ray or whatever. Well, I remember asking like, dude, I remember seeing this. And he's going, oh my God, you were there? And I'm like, yeah. And it was the craziest thing I ever saw. Um, and he told me he stayed in touch with that kid for many years because obviously he felt guilty i mean dude he, he said the kid got like 160 stitches or something like that in his head yeah um and those boards the quick tail this aluminum oh it's just fucking speared with hockey. aluminum oh yeah, uh, yeah. This is a so uh and he did tell me he followed that kid stayed in touch with his family so then i guess the kid passed away 10 15 years later something like that not because of that for something yeah. completely random but ray did say he always stayed in touch with them because what a trip yeah you know, how do you bond yourself better than to spear someone in the forehead with a skateboard do you happen to remember if that was night or day session uh, i was it was day day yeah. yeah a lot of times ray would skate there at night but you know that dude like everybody asked me oh those pictures of people getting bricks are they true mm. and i was like well when ray did it it was always true like ray could fucking get i don't even know how many bricks yeah i got eight once that was my oh my thing. god you, you pulled know. off eight bricks yeah yeah and i just remember but you had to find the that soft spots common. too where you got you had the sharper sharper yeah. ledges off and you had a little bit more it changed ledges. as it went down yeah yeah, yeah. A little bit. but it was a bump it was for sure that was back oh, in an shit, era when yeah, we dude. were afraid to like i don't think people did as much switch stance slash we just called it fakey stuff because yeah. i mean even just if our front wheel went over the edge we were petrified that we were just going to hang up and fall straight to our death oh yeah you would um, yeah yeah and it's weird now to see how kids defy the whole idea of hanging up with a oh, yeah. disaster a slamming <laughs> their truck into the coping i still <laughs> literally remember skatopia in 1979 or whatever when i when i see them do that and remember just you're you're going over the edge of the pool and just falling straight to the flat bottom you know yeah. onto your gardening his, gloves you know with gardening gloves <laughs> i was a big gardening glove guy i wore leather gardening gloves cloth yeah. gardening gloves they were so much cheaper than you know the, the ones they sold in the Sims gloves gloves all the other gloves. stuff yeah uh-huh the 50 dollar <laughs> rector gloves or whatever they was like oh my god those are so bitching <laughs> And the gloves would get caught in your bolts. You know how many times I, I'm okay because we made a lot of our own boards. I rode the fish bowl once in Anaheim. I remember doing a tail tap. It's already a tight pool, and then like I feel the oh shit, the bolt stuck under the edge of my uh, thing, and I'm having to hold on to it as I'm coming down. And I'm riding. Basically, we made plywood skateboards, and then we covered wow. them with silica sand and and resin for grip tape. We made our <laughs> That's own. That's a grip. <laughs> um, and I just like went to the bottom and just like that board just snapped completely in half uh, oh my with my God. hand still on the nose because uh, I couldn't You're get lucky you didn't break off. your shoulder. No, nope, didn't. Got lucky, but it was, I remember the petrified feeling of being in tail tap position going, oh shit, my hand <laughs> is not coming off this skateboard. Um, is so there a ball. name for that moment when you, you, when you hooked onto that bolt and you're going down and there's that silence, that infinite silence, you know? Is there a name for that moment in skateboarding? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I don't think so. I've never heard of one. Maybe we should make one up. Um, you felt that, right? More than oh, once. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, one of my favorite pictures I've ever had blown up me skateboarding is me, this picture that Klaus uh, Grabke shot 
I was riding Baldy and he was doing, he was filming video. And I go, why don't you take one still photo? Everyone shoots front sides in the full pipe. I want to do a backside. I just want to get a really high backside and suck up there. Well, I've been skating there for a decade. And when I went up, I leaned up and I, my, I went, speared my board and what a lot of people don't really think about it. I don't ride full pipes. If you, yeah. you're on a ramp, you can kick your board out once you go over the coping, if you screw up, right. And your yeah. legs can straighten out. Yeah. But when you start leaning up in a pipe, your legs compress closer to you and it's harder to get your board out from under your true. feet. That's so true. also in your, when your balance is going legs up overhead, you're literally about to do the loop. That's why I've seen so many crazy videos of guys spinning and flipping because you're trying to get your feet off. So I remember like, I'm going, Oh fuck. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm totally padless. You know what I mean? There may have Ooh. a knee gasket on or something. My, my I'm hitting 10, 10, 30. My feet are going up over my head. And, and the greatest thing about the pictures, if you look at my eyeballs, I'm just scoping the bottom thinking like, how am I going oh my to, God. where am I going to land? You know, like there's a, right. But it's, I, I definitely feel like I've gotten so much slower in my old age. We all know that we don't feel like we react as quick, but when it yeah. comes time to that, like live or die, I yeah. feel like that cat, like just goes boom, like, where am I? And, uh, and there's mm -hmm. just this perception mm -hmm. increase that, uh, they highlight. So yes, yeah, so that's one of my favorite pictures is eyeballing the flat bottom, looking, looking to see when I'm going to land Looking for I, a landing. I did, landed on the flat bottom. My foot was black and blue out the toes, out the bottom, out the heel up the top. I mean, he's like my entire foot turned black and blue just from the Man, landing on one. That's, foot. But, that's uh, messed up. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. So. Your body goes into some kind of what you talked about where it just takes over like your brain, like, you know, you're beyond being freaked out. You're just like, you know, like you said, the cat thing. That's cool. Well, think about how many contests you've been to or whatever. You've been shooting at it, right? That someone does something that's sketchy and you think, oh my God, they're going to die. And they just freaking like, they snap, tumble, lean, slide out of it. I mean, sometimes with zero injury whatsoever. Um, yeah. Some of the gnarliest things I've ever done, I got no injury whatsoever. You know, just that fear factor. Uh, I mean, talking about a trick, this this guy I once told me he was there at Big O when I did I did a backside air in the in the uh, capsule pool. Yeah, you know, probably four feet out back then or like that. And my front truck broke off. Oh my Literally god! Rolled on the deck. I didn't have yeah. any idea. And he goes, "I remember oh sitting there watching. God. I saw your wheels and your truck hanger roll off. And so I landed on a base plate on my front truck from like a four foot air, and uh, you just slid out and I slid across the flat bottom. But I didn't even slam. You know, I was like." Uh, and then you could just do nothing and just trip and like yeah hurt worse than you ever gotten hurt you're and and had you known maybe you would have done too much thought too much and did something that would and panic and, yeah. and ended up you know slamming yeah. in some other way but uh, but landing also feeling a strange feeling like what the hell you know it's like and just bailing wow. off it's uh you like landed an airplane with no wheels basically kind of basically yeah. yeah and when was that pool like it's like nine or ten feet deep and uh -huh. yeah, that was that was not the smartest <laughs> thing so tell me about because because when you started getting back into skateboarding, as far as yeah. the world of us seeing at you, you started Skatopia.net. Yeah, lost off of Skatopia. So so tell us about your history with Skatopia Skate Park. And this oh, well, is you know, you're listening who don't know there was an original yeah. Skatopia and then a later Skatopia in Ohio, which still exists, but yeah, they're two right. very different places. Yeah. So I I my my uncle took me there on Thanksgiving holiday in I think '78, and then. Um, I just kind of got the bug. And so I started going there. I had a, I had a, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, I had a Rob, a, a Logan Ersky, solid wood, had the Oak wedge tail, got you know, uh, I might've had Sims on there. Maybe they're road riders. I can't remember, but anyways, and, um, started loving it. And then, you know, but it was three bucks for two hours, you know, so that added up. Right. Cause I used sure. to go there like every day. So then, um, one of the dudes that worked there, he's like, you know, hey, Hada, you know, um, if you uh, if you sweep out the bowls, which is my, you know, which was his job. Oh, I'll shoot. Hang on. My compressor's on. Oh, right, go on. ahead. Let me turn it off really quick. Okay. Damn, the staff forgot to take care of that. Uh oh, well, wait, the staff is me. At least you um, have staff, I was going to say. So, yeah. So then, you know, I mean, so I was basically sweeping the bowls out at the end of the night to get free tickets. Remember, you get to collect the ticket stubs. You got to yeah. yeah. So you give me like a fucking shit ton of them. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm as rich, you know. And and and, and that's how it started, you know, when I started uh, doing that. And then pretty soon, since I was sweeping every night, all the managers got to know me. And like, why don't we just fucking hire harder? So I had to go to school and get a work permit because I was young. I was like maybe... 
mm-hmm. 14 or 15. And then, you know, so I, you know, and I worked there till the day it closed, you know, I love that place. Yeah. And, and all those people that you talked about, they came through Skatopia, but by then Skatopia was not, you know, a, a, a major in the skate park thing. Yeah. Cause the newer ones that had opened up big O and so on. They're so better. Had a bigger yeah. draw. Yeah. But there was something great about being at a place that wasn't that, you know, because you had a crew and um, it was just a great place to be a kid and play and, you know, and just, and just enjoy skateboarding. I think the same holds true today. Cause think about, I mean, Orange County, we got pretty good in the, the skate park era. I mean, heck, I, I helped work on that very first one that got built in Huntington Beach. You know, we mm-hmm. fought for that. And that was like the start of skate parks in, in America for the most part, again, uh, besides the Dodge Skate Park in, in Columbus, Ohio. I have to give those mm-hmm. guys credit. They got a park done in Ohio way back then. Um, but then all, later, the actual, as the new era of parks started getting built, we got Diamond Bar and Fullerton mm-hmm. and Brea and all these pretty shitty parks. Okay, they're, they're mm-hmm. done Gardens, in that era, yeah. big uh-huh. cracks, odd angles, yeah. weird transitions, bad concrete work, whatever it is. Yep. Um, and so as the new ones get opened up and they get better, Costa Mesa, Etnies, Lake Forest, Laguna Hills, whatever it is, they all got a little step better. Um, you know, you tend to go to the, the newer ones. And even now, I don't ride so many around here. Um, sometimes I go down to San Diego because they're 10 years behind us as far as getting skate parks. But when they got them built, they got them all built to the awesome standards, great concrete <laughs> right. work, you know, right. pretty decent design, but uh, they all flow. So, but, but still sometimes it's good to go by the crappy one to go by Brea, go by BB park and mission Viejo, yeah. and just go remember what that was like when you were, when you were so thrilled that your crew had this crappy place to skate because yeah. we hadn't seen anything like that literally since the skate parks closed. Yeah. So, so Skatopia, you know, that's, there's no different when, yeah, big O might've been the newest, latest raging place 10 miles down the road but skatopia i'm sure was still for the locals they probably had a wonderful time there yeah yeah we'd have contests and they built that capsule which was gnarly i do remember i only skated that maybe once or twice before it was gone but uh, that was near the end that seemed to be the end of all skate parks they built the Mm -hmm. capsule it was gone Uh, concrete wave built a a pool (laughs) after the rest of it was done then it was gone not long after um like was it one in uh was it long beach was the park in long beach um Mm. Not Paramount. You're not thinking Paramount. Not Paramount. I don't think it was called Long Beach. What was it? It was by the mall. Um, oh, Lakewood? Lakewood. There we go. Lakewood built a pool and then it was done. You know, yeah. I skated it like once and they had a contest. For some reason, I didn't even really enter that contest. Next thing I knew that that park's closed. So it's like, it seemed like building a pool before your park died was a bitch the, and pool. A bitch and gnarly pool. Was the, yeah, bitch and gnarly pool because they learned <laughs> from all the other stuff. That's pretty crazy. But hey, we did grow yeah. up in the golden era. It was, it was very amazing was sweet. to see that. And it, it was, was pretty, it was yeah, it was a trip. It was sad. Well, it was sad to see. I mean, I, cause I ended up in the skateboard business in the late eighties and nineties and started a skateboard brand and everything was, was street skating. And it was, it was actually a very conscious effort by a few people from a business standpoint, to take the business away from the Santa Cruz and Powell's and so on and so forth. So the focus on street skating wasn't just street skate. It was like hate on vert skating. So mm-hmm. it was hard to have anything with transition around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But luckily being kind of in the heart of everything. So I consider Costa Mesa where I'm at. It's like the hub of, of Southern California, whatever. It's halfway to San Diego to LA. There's always yeah. been a thriving scene here because a lot of people don't realize that a big support for the scene always was the clothing industry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were helping riders. Again, guys, I guess, got you were getting out there. And Costa Mesa was the capital of Quicksilver, uh, you know, gotcha. It is now mm-hmm. Volca, Bruca, Hurley. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a dominating force. Etni started here, um, you know, and so we always had a scene here. So no matter what happened in any kind of world, there was always ramps here. There was always right. indoor, private ramps, mini ramps. Um, mm-hmm. So we always had something to skate, but, but it was definitely a struggle to get through that 90s era when uh, it was hard to find transition. Right. And there was a negativity towards transition. And it's uh, a trip. That's a, it sucks. You know, it, it does cares? trip. Literally, there's interviews where people said, you know, I don't know why they build a bull. No one wants to ride that stupid stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's, and some of these are like major players in skateboarding to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to, sadly, when it comes to money, yeah. uh, people do things, they don't do things based on what's good for the world around them. They do it based on what's good for the pocketbook. Uh, true. A lot that's of true. people. So there was luck. So. They were trying to divert business. It had nothing to do with, what was good for skateboarding was well, probably one of my uh, pitfalls, maybe not as a human, but in the skateboard business, like skateboard business was easy. I built a big factory, employed hundred people, made thousands of skateboards a day. 
if I would have just followed what everyone did, I probably could have crushed it in skateboarding, but mm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't mm-hmm. be like everybody. I couldn't just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I still sponsored pool riders and street skaters. You know, I actually ran back cover ads on Transworld with like Remy Stratton riding a pool and I guarantee half the industry at the time cringed when they saw it. Like, how mm. dare they? It was bad enough that I had wedged my way into the back cover ad because I was smart and took it when no one else would. Yeah. You know, but now I was putting a, a pool in the era when it was so uncool. You're supposed to wear baggy pants that you're tripping over your crotch and, and mm-hmm. ollie down three stairs for 16 hours and never make a trick. You know, I mean, that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Really what was happening. Mm-hmm. It was, that's what it was. It was a really mm-hmm. weird and shitty era. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah. now what happened, social media took back over. It took yes. social media. The magazines became taken over by skateboarders, skateboarders yes. who had an agenda and kept right. it that way. But now that uh, social media allowed the public to put skateboarding out there in every form. Yeah, uh, which is cool. You grew up seeing everything. Yeah, it's amazing the coverage on different social medias. If you love skateboarding of any kind, wow, you could just watch it all day long, all night when you wake up and watch it. Well, I think skateboarding, and, and I, I would say it's barely could even think be disputed that there is probably more footage film mm-hmm. of skateboarding than any other activity on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, right. just because skateboarders as a whole like to see what they did. They like to watch what they did. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a big part of the culture, making video parts, being out with your friends. Uh, I hi- <clears throat> highly doubt there's anything that even comes close to how many hours of footage is filmed every single day uh, right. in skateboarding. So it's a drug. I mean, those things behind you, <clears throat> You're a drug peddler, Jim. That's <laughs> yes, an addictive thing. You're sounding. Well, look, I'm a 59 year old guy. I have a wall full of skateboards, and I'm only <laughs> bummed that I can't. That I don't have enough um, space to put up 15 more walls like that because I have <laughs> enough skateboards to do it. But um, yeah, there is some. There's a strange addiction about it. I mean, yeah. Uh, I have a, a, a new girlfriend for like a couple months, and it's just amazing how, you know, now I just look at her and I talk about this new company, or I went and visited this, and I and I go, oh, and by the way, and she just looks at me like I know a pro skateboarder owns it or did it or summer or a skateboarder. And I, and so what she's learning is that like how deeply entrenched skateboarders are in this culture around, yeah, you know, I'm bringing home alcohol last week. That's like a, um, a, a drink that a, again, a pro skateboarder, Jason Rogers, just started. we print stickers for him. And I, you know, and just, we talk about this clothing company or this, this, whatever, a, a restaurant, you name it. I'll say, Oh yeah, well, skateboarders are doing that. Skateboarders are doing that. And, um, skateboarders infiltrate deep, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. and, uh, and to be one, actually, it's funny because we're considered this like counterculture, but we're actually yeah. a bigger culture than most of the cultures that are considered mainstream. Right. I mean, look at football. There's, a, there's way more necessarily humans are just fans, but they just sit in a chair and watch. We have the people right. that skateboard literally do it. They yeah. fan out on it. They yeah. share it. They watch it. I mean, um, the, the way that culture intertwines with it with itself is completely yeah. deeper than the NFL guy. Okay. He likes his local team, right? He likes his local team. He watches a couple other teams. He sits on Sunday and watches the game, but he's not wrapped up the way a skateboarder is in no. it because he no. doesn't, most of the guys, I mean, maybe a few of the, the, the guys played football in high school or that most people are just couch fans, crack open a beer and watch something taking place. Yeah. You know? And you could skate with your skate hero. Uh, it's not, it's not unheard of to be skating somewhere and your hero rolls up. And they'll like give you a tip, like, oh, lean back a little more. Oh, oh I think it's too. one of the best things about skateboarding is yeah. that uh, uh, is, is that is that you could show up and have have one of your heroes show up. And you also can cannot even be good technically. And when you do what's good for you, everybody supports you. There's That's still, very still. rare in this world. I know. I know. That you, all happens you, at skate parks and skate spots. You know, people smack their tails for someone who, who I can joke and say, yeah, they suck. And they did a little better than sucking. Everyone's like, yeah, because they yeah. know how stoked they were that yeah. they elevated their level. And I think it allows skateboarding to be more uh, inviting to people, feeling like it's not really about how good you are. It's no, about it's the fact that you're participating, having fun, trying, and people people give you props for trying. And there's not too many you're on one and you're rolling, you're a skateboarder. You are. Yeah, but if you play baseball and you drop the ball at second base, it's oh, dude, you just <laughs> ruined it for the team. They got to run. They like they're gonna win. You know, it's like yeah. because nobody wins a skateboarding. You know, everybody yeah. wins at skateboarding. Yeah, you know, I know. It's so a- I, you know, I bought my first skateboard at TG and Y. Was a Black Knight. Totally. And um, TG and Y. I haven't heard that for a while. Right. So now I'm sure in that 
little bin that I, because I remember it being a bin, you know, maybe it was a Nashville Goofy, I can't remember what it was, but anyways, and there was like, you know, uh, Frisbees there and they had Slinkies and they had, um, I don't know what else, whatever was at a TGNY, somebody who, you know, why is it that that thing I bought is still going and stoking you and stoking me and stoking everybody? It seems to have no end in sight, the skateboard. Yeah, I mean, I think it just has to do with its, uh, its, its function. It's simpler than like a bicycle, right? A bicycle is fun, lots yeah. of ride bikes, but they... But as far as when you ride your bike, you're going somewhere, you're either getting exercise or you're just going to visit friends, you're cruising around the neighborhood. When you ride your skateboard, you feel in touch with it. <clears throat> your feet are on it. You feel the connected. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're connected to it. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you see, I think the joy it brings other people, the fascination it brings people, it's always brought fascination to people who don't do it. People who don't do it are basically generally confused by skateboards. They look at them and they're like, whoa. What's going on there? You know what I mean? And they then and there's a, this also a strange fear. I mean, how many people have you yeah. know like, oh, I'm never hopping on one of those things? You're going, come on, I can show you how to ride a skateboard in five minutes. You got to right. find the right size board. You yeah. can't do something dumb. You can't get yeah. ahead of yourself. But sure. everyone can roll on a skateboard. But a lot of people literally think just stepping on a skateboard is like stepping on a banana peel right. on a slippery floor, and they're just going to go straight down. And right. we've all seen that happen too. Sure, a lot of it is fear because yeah. fear is the first thing that gets people. Yeah, you know, kick my own mom. I remember riding down a driveway once, hopping on it, and I'm telling her I should get in the side. I go, Mom, jump off now, jump off, because I know what's going to happen when she hits yeah. the bottom of that driveway. Yeah, and just again being that, no, it feels fine under my feet. Yeah, but you don't know what happens when those little <laughs> wheels hit those cracks. And of course, what happened is she freaking went down, hurt her ankle, and I never got to hear oh. the end of it. And I'm like, but you didn't listen to me. I screamed, get off the freaking board now, you know. Um, so I, I don't teach know. people how to get off a board when I teach them how to ride. I I show them like, you know, it's just like stepping off an escalator, you know, just go on one foot and just step off. You well, know, so you, have to, you have to have an exit strategy, right? You have to have an exit strategy. You know, the hard things I think when people are learning to drop in, doesn't matter if it's two feet tall or three feet tall, quarter pipe is it's so counterintuitive to think you have to lean all your weight forward I know because you think you're going to fall on your face yeah. and then you think, and then they do it and they, almost everybody wheelies and ends up falling backwards and slamming. And it's the worst thing to witness. Um, Okay, I have a video of my kid Skyler once we went skating a mini ramp. He didn't skate a lot, but he's never dropped in. And Wee Man was there and and just like that's the only reason he did it because Wee Man was like, go on, go for it, go for it. And what did he do? It's full wheelie back. And oh my God, his body hit so hard as a parent. I felt that deep inside, like, oh no. Yeah. You know, um that lean back. Yeah. Well, you're trying to protect yourself. You think it's helping, but it's hurting. You are so tell me. You know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and I, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and I, and, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and like every, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and like every single, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and like every single, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and like every single, you know, George, uh, he's such a sweet guy and he's so great and larger than life. And, and like every single day he would eat just fucking shit. Like, like, like you, you, like, like your mom going over that bump, you know, and you're just like, oh, that's it. It's, it's over. And he'd fucking come back the next that day. That is the you George know? Orton I know slam <laughs> every session I've ever been with him hard and gets back up. It's like, damn, it's, it, it was scary to watch, you know, cause other people that I knew, you know, compound fractures on the wrist and that thing. And I mean, yeah. And, and just, yeah, it was just that it was just George, you know, like he was one of those Skatopia stories where you're like, wow, I'd never seen anybody go that hard. I've seen a lot of people who were good, you know, Blender used to come down and, um, you know, there's some good skaters that, you know, Lucero and, and uh, Kasai and, but George Orton, oh my God, that dude was just nothing but fucking. Well, George is muscular and athletic and, and not afraid to go for it. Like he definitely is, yeah. he, he may not be as big as a lot of other guys, but I probably, I'd rather run into a lot of other guys before I'd run into him. Absolutely. Because yeah. he just definitely is a little muscle ball. Oh, dude, so. that dude was, you know, intimidating. I mean, he was cool to me, but, you know, 
Yeah. And there's just so much will. I guess that's what I'm looking for. Like he's <laughs> he one of my first stuff. targets, like, because I, I did pretty big frontside airs and I just, okay. his, his, he was just known as the notorious frontside air guy. So oh, his frontside my, fucking airs. Yeah. My whole goal was always to do higher frontside airs than George Orton. That was like wow. my life's goal for my first couple of wow. years. Big O I used to think I do him higher than him now as you know, times were going on and he was maybe fading back a little farther as I was a young kid coming on. Oh, my whole thing was my, my, the day I felt I could do a higher air than George Orton did, I felt like I was, you know, now wow. legit. That's fucking know? high because that dude, well, we used to call it, nobody knows what it is anymore, but we used to call it bionic. Oh, yeah. Bio for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did Neil Blunder say? Her man on. It was her man on. Didn't, didn't, that didn't go mainstream, but Neil had lots of little quirky things like that. It was great. Um, yeah. You know, George is gnarly. And, and I, uh, I've luckily got to skate with him, you know, a little bit in the last decade. And even again, a couple of the sessions, so I've cool. watched him pile so his ass hard. Damn. Um, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. That, Still wouldn't want to run into him, though. Yeah. Well, we love but you, George Orton. He's the greatest. But, you know, Skatopia was just this fucking beautiful, you know, dream. I mean, it was just this place that we all went to where there's maybe 10 of us locals. And uh, most of us weren't ever going to be anything in skateboarding. Um, but we just had the best time of our life at that place, you know, and saw things. And well, um, they were the first was, country clubs for skateboarding. They were country yeah. clubs. They they had yeah. pro shops, snack bars, game rooms. Um, they were clean and all they were because they were all built new. That's the thing. Yeah. Nobody was redoing an old skate park. It was like all a brand new build. And I really got what a great video would that be if someone literally had all those skate parks from big o to skatetopia colton all these places with their great pro shops and um some of them had lakes and streams and you know uh and yeah. you know landscaping i mean there, there, there's this crazy crazy place and yeah. uh you know yeah. unfortunately not really sustainable probably from the the financial standpoint but no. uh, you know yeah. I, I thank god for free skate parks now free public skate parks because uh yeah you know it, it allows for a lot more people to skate because again paying those three dollars cost cost you and and me and it kept us from going as often as we wanted to yeah. and one of my favorite places was a place called the fish bowl it was off brookhurst and uh la palma whatever that and mm -hmm. the lady who lived there there's an empty pool in her backyard and, and the kids wanted to skate and she learned so she charged 50 cents an hour yeah that's so that's so cheap it, well but in 1979 it wasn't cheap right you know, it was right. probably like three or four dollars an hour now and so what right. i would do is i would go there like a saturday morning i'd take the bus up brookhurst and and i would sweep the pool for two or three hours of free skating oh okay. you know yeah and um, yeah. No, no, no different you i earned my i earned my sessions you know because yeah. i didn't have a, a, a wads full of cash falling out of my pocket so yeah that's killer yeah our, our, our skate park had a fucking waterfall in a river it was a river gorgeous. that went under a bridge that you could ride your skateboard over. But I really wish we could see that, like in a sense, it probably exists, but I wish someone could make a video, literally like a walkthrough tour of that. And of, like I said, Colton was pretty fancy. And as far as just pro shop, Big O had a nice pro shop. Um, there were so many of them that were done done so interestingly that it would be it would be kind of interesting to show that historically to be able to yeah. see. And imagine skateboarding with the sound of running a river running like it's just oh. some there's a certain tranquility to that you know well and now some of the parks that they're not necessarily like not running water like linda vista down in, in san diego has a very big goalie right in the middle of it with like okay. this like plants and just and has this big uh steel bridge that goes over the middle of it from one side to the other i mean the bridge itself is probably a two hundred thousand dollar bridge i mean so they they did all this amazing you know landscape and hardscape to to support the skate park and etnies i mean look how fancy etnies is you know when you pull up the entryway and and there's all these uh, architectural poles that I think has a lot to appear from Etnies is very appreciative mm. of architecture and, mm -hmm. and style and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was, it's, it's just crazy. There was, but back then this was being built by private individuals for not yeah. by cities. It was being built for, you know, someone trying to make a profit and literally they were country clubs. Yeah. Well, Skatopia was built by Vic Paliquin and, uh, he uh, did that his whole life, you know, built things. And he was one of those dudes that, oh, my gardener, he was one of those dudes that um, he talked about everything about that park, how he, the lights were on purpose. The river was on, everything was on purpose. He was like this guy that kind of staged uh, things. And so he, he built that park for ambience as well as. You know, well, the one thing I give the old skate parks credit for, which I think got lost in the public skate park realm yeah. is because those guys knew the only way they could get you to come back and pay $3 session after session was to create an atmosphere where you enjoyed being there. 
Um, you've, you're like for the parents, they felt safe that you were there. Yeah. Uh, you, you wanted to come back for more because you, there was a place to ride for everybody um, yeah. and so on and so forth. And the biggest changes we became in the public skate parks is skate parks to, started getting designed for fantasy, you know, um, and they were designed by skaters wherever they could be. And they built what they felt like skating themselves. But what they forgot, what the guy remembered in 1976 or 77 when he's building is um, people needed to come back and you need to have a capacity for beginners to experts to pros. Um, and most skate parks today, very little of that is thought. And you could tell by just looking at the design. I know. There's, why? There's why crossing you know, I, paths. I, gotta, I gotta interrupt you. I'm gonna go. Um, I have to actually pay my gardener. So. Oh, okay. Well, no problem. Just put it Wait, on pause and we're just gonna. I'll, be, yeah, I'm gonna pause I'll cut it. this. I'll cut this out. Uh, okay. I hear motion. I'm back. You're back. The gardener got paid. The gardener didn't quit. Um, you know, podcast. I, I pay him on the first of the month. Yeah. So you know how it is. I understand. So where were we talking? I was just talking about skate parks yesterday and today. Um, yeah. And I think what happens, I, I, I describe most skate parks today as designed for Wednesday at 10 a.m. when the kids are in school. And then they forget that when the kids get out of school or or weekends or like that, that people need to be able to still function. And I think a lot of people who design them, I think literally they only skate skate parks by themselves when there's no one around. And they forget that that it's not made for capacity. Um, that's been my biggest pitfall with skate parks is, uh, I mean, a great example. I'm going to go skate at knees when we're done with this podcast. Okay. It is 75,000 square feet, something like that. Started yeah. as 60 days. Yeah. And about as many people as can skate there as can skate my little local skate park here, Volcom in Costa Mesa, which is 15. Now, why is that? Like, technically, why is that? Because, okay, when we, we built, like, for instance, when we designed Costa Mesa, we segregated the bowls so the street stuff doesn't crisscross into it and get in the way. Yeah, you have no so spillage. We made a small bowl yeah. and a large bowl. We made a little plaza area that's kind of, kind of self-contained rideable. The street course is all linear. There's no crisscrossing banks. So you never go in one spot when someone comes flying at you in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we didn't take so much space. Like you look at Etnies, that big open bowl area with the big 10-foot wall that craps around the corner. It connects to like a another side where it's like a five-foot bowl, which is like one-sided. I mean, it's like it should be like three different areas, but it's one. Yeah. So if kids decide to use it as their warm-up place, let's face it, didn't build a place for kids either. You know, uh, uh, so they like butt board down the middle of it, and some guy wants to charge and do a big carve around the ten-foot wall. There's all these things that are conflicting with everything else. You know, so and even the the street course, you know, uh, entryways will launch into the other bowl, or people will land. You know, mm -hmm. there's just there's so many crisscrossing lines. Um, so is it the flow? You could like probably build that park and much... make a few tweaks and have yeah. double the capacity. With if, this, if you, yeah. So if there's too much flow, is that what it is? And that's why. You well, if there's too much, if there's too much flow for the number of people you need there, like yeah. for instance, they built the new section back there with like the cradle. Okay, it goes. You can enter it kind of from two different ways. There's a blind. You go behind the cradle. There's a full blind turn. Kids like to go in the back and drop in back there, and I and. A lot of the older guys like to go in and roll in from the beginning and get yeah. Mach 90 speed. Now, you come around that corner, some 10-year-olds dropping in behind a blind corner you can't even see. It's so dangerous and it's so dysfunctional, you yeah. know, not to mention the fact that you have a park where you need like 100 people to be able to come skate. And you make a run that's 10,000 square feet by itself that right. only one person can functionally ride at the same time. Yeah. And um, so, you, you know, that, that could be divided up into, the, you could have this one little drop-in thing with the cradle hit. You could have another little spot with a little snaky flow. But mm -hmm. people do these fantasies about flow, which are wonderful for 10 a.m. on Wednesday when the kids are in school. Mm -hmm. And they do not work at three o'clock when there's 14 kids there or on mm -hmm. Saturday when there's everyone of every age there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a theme throughout that park. You have the big open bowl next to the school bowl that should be like three different runs, but it's one. Mm -hmm. um, you have that mm -hmm. cradle bowl, which definitely should be at least probably split up into two different parts because uh, they don't really they don't function well together. Never have I really seen anybody ride that whole thing as a run. No, you know uh -huh. you can't. It doesn't really work. Not really. Yeah. No. And someone will always be in your way. And um, yep. And not to mention, if you did, you took a full minute run while 15, think about this, 15, 15 people want to skate it and someone takes a minute long run and you're the 15th dude, you're waiting 15 minutes to take a run, you know, right. good luck. Even if half people fall halfway through it, that's still seven, eight minutes. That's like, it's a long time. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think skate parks need to be really thought flow. There needs to be more directional stuff 
Um, think about the snake runs and the places where we where people paid for it. A snake run had a beginning and an end on purpose so another person could go. Yeah. Now you have snake run. runs that double back. Like even Venice, I like Venice's snake run. Yeah. But it's dangerous as hell because you- How do you get out? Well, there and there's 14 places people can drop in from. Yeah. And, and they do. The more local, the better. So what usually happens is you end up having the dominating people just dominate. Yeah. And so beginners- uh, passing through people where that really either can't get runs or feel intimidated or they get scared. Um, and to me, from a, the fact that skateboarding, kind of the culture or skateboarding industry, whatever like that, never really looked at this and fought this is so foolhardy because you know how many skateboarders never keep skateboarding because they try to go skateboarding and they never yeah, feel so intimidated yeah. um, that they're yeah. never going to go back for more. There's like, I'm not right. going to go skateboarding. It's not really fun. Whereas right. the, when you were at Skatopia, a lot of kids never became lifelong skateboarders, but they still went there over and over again because they got to ride that snake run and then get out. There's yeah. a line. Um, unless you, you unless to, you snaked everybody. Yeah, there's a line. Have you been to the pump tracks down in San Diego? No, I want to do that. Okay. They're really fun. They're really fun, but there's some really crazy flaws in that. And that is that they, they crisscross. So you have literally, <laughs> you, you, you really can run into someone going Mach 90 if someone goes wow. the other way. Uh, wow. And the way I think it's so easy to solve that by making a start and an end to where when you come out of the end, if there's no one there, you're coming out and you still only have 15 feet to go in front of you and you can start all over again and go yeah. back another lap or like that. But instead, they have it so there's multiple people going at different speeds, different levels, dropping in in corners. Um, there, like I said, there is actually crisscrossing paths. And um, so there's a lot of self-defeating things in the design that, again, Wednesday at 10 a.m. when no one's there, it sure is fun. And then so that's you like come Collision after City, right? Collision City, yeah. And, yeah. and that's something that imagine imagine the guys designing Skatopia back then discussing like spots and someone and someone's going to go like, but why'd you draw that? I mean, he's worried about how the lights shine, the lakes thing. Is he going to want to design something where two people run into each other on purpose? No, no. I mean, yeah, the yeah. biggest hassle about Skatopia was probably carving to the end of the half pipe when people would say lingering, right? And they would turn <laughs> yeah. around and come back. But you also couldn't yeah. do that if there was a crowd and there was 20 more people coming behind you. That so became more if of you the built local... like um, planters. Let's take Venice Skate Park for if you went jackhammered some of the deck and you put planters all around that snake run, then you'd have to be so badass. You'd have to like basically gap the planter to go into that snake, you know, and to be a little less. And it's tough because I don't know how you would redesign that because it, it works the way it is. It just yep. doesn't work for the capacity of people, you know, um, and, and I personally always consider like how many people are going to use it how are beginners going to learn how to skate how are they going to advance to another level and then how are pros going to really love being somewhere and and rip it you know when they can rip it without everybody conflicting with everybody else and that takes a lot of thought and a lot of care yeah. um, and being willing to give up something the pro has to give up something so the beginner can have some space you know yeah. uh yeah. now how many places do you go where the beginners get in your way constantly and what are you supposed to tell them go away get out of our skate park right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We were too dumb to build somewhere for you to go so you'd get out of our way. So we're going to have you roll in front of us while we're trying to skate the big stuff because there's nowhere else for you to skate. Right. You know? right. You can't it's scary because you're afraid you're going to hurt some kid if you... Yeah. yeah some yeah. of my worst injuries in the last uh, probably 15 years have been at public skate parks avoiding hitting kids. Wow. You know, um, yeah. because you just get like a little five-year-old drifting and the kid wants to be there. That's the thing. You can't kid yourself that mom's not going to bring her five-year-old out there who's really not ready to be there. She's sure. gone. What would be great oh, that is happens, yeah. like mom take him to the 10 and under zone over there yeah. you know what i mean that would because and that should always as far as i'm concerned be like a little offshoot that doesn't directly flow in with everything and those little kids should be told like until you can ride this place really proficiently you're not allowed to be out here in this big area yeah you know crisscrossing i mean a lot of that there's i mean there's a lot going on there i'm not kidding myself that's that simple because right. i face it with the entitled uh, attitude of parents these days, they'd be out there going. I mean, their their kids. Sometimes I go to Costa Mesa, and kids are playing in the bottom of the bowl. And they're like, "Hey guys, uh, we want to skate." And parents will look at you like they have a right to be here. It's a park; they can play. And you're like, "No, it was a park made to skate and go really fast." And your kid is like literally playing with toys in the bottom of my bowl. In the bottom. Um, so uh, we definitely have some generational changes. Yeah. Well, imagine parents at Skatopia days. What would a parent do leaving off his 13 year old? He'd say, "Listen to the big kids." You know what yeah. I mean? And he'd look at the big kids and go like, tell, put him in his place, make sure he knows the rules, you know, yeah. and they would and leave. They, and they that. would. 
And they would, they would. And now, and now, you know, if you tell a kid like, Hey kid, pay attention, don't do this like that. You have about a 50% chance of, of some dad or mom going, you can't tell my kid what to do. He has a right to be here. You know, it's like, you know, let's take this outside. You know, it's like, okay. You know, <laughs> that's true. That'd make a good TikTok video. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so one thing I noticed about as you got back into skateboarding, um, you, you tend to cover a lot of like OG events like that. Obviously that's your generation era of people, yeah. but you also were very heavily into covering girls events. Yeah. You know, and I, and I've been very supportive of girls skateboarding. I just think it's, it's, um, it was a different era when we grew up. We only had a handful of girls. We had Carabeth Burnside and Janet Payne and a few, you know, others yeah. out there at the skate park. And now, you know, girls have been, girls are probably outpaced guys in the last decade as far as the growth of girls skateboarding. Yeah. Um, oh, for their, sure. Their abilities, their talents, and, and the volume. Uh, but you were definitely there long before that growth really started. You know, you were yeah. there as it started. What, uh, what drew you to that? Um, you know, it's a weird thing. I mean, it's just that I, am a Japanese guy that was raised in sort of a, a mostly Caucasian world. And um, so maybe it's a little bit of that. The other thing is, is that I think girls do things differently. Like I always liked um, Kate Bush and I always liked the band Heart. I, I also like Led Zeppelin and I like UFO. And, but I was, I was like, wow, girls rock out differently than guys. They do. They, they know, have their own style. Not own better, style. it's not worse, but it's just this different thing. And you know, it's interesting because a lot of girls that I photograph, they don't like to be have that um, that they're a girl. They don't want that to be a part. They want it to be rad skateboarding, you know. Well, and I'd say that's finally crossed the path where it absolutely is. It used to be very different. I mean, girls skated different. There were there was a different uh, style, different holdback. They didn't have a lot of girls to look up to, right? So there wasn't as much a uh, uh, a thing but in the last 10 years as girls have started coming on stronger and harder and sometimes you drop in if you're standing from afar and you watch lizzie armanto skating the combi you wouldn't know it was a girl you yeah. know what i mean until you went up and said yeah. oh wow that's a girl i mean the way she cried the way she her speed um uh yeah i mean the way alicia bergato does a backside air or once they're watching uh, lance mountain go that was proper you know what i mean like literally yeah. uh just yeah. watch and so when a new girl getting into it now she's seeing those girls that have stepped it up a notch, gone faster, gone harder. Um, so they, there's no thinking they have to skate differently. You know what yeah. I mean? I think that the, the, and like, this is you, your, your peers now skate as much like guys as ever. And so those walls have really come down and now it's, it's been amazing to watch girls skate. It's crazy. I mean, uh, yeah. And there's a lot of girls now, I feel that they actually don't even really look at somebody like Lizzie or Alicia that, they just see other girls at the skate park. Well, yeah, not anymore. It just started yeah. that way. I say that was the mm -hmm. driving force. I think that was a cycle that let it start going to from Jules, Lynn to Lizzie. They were driving things to a new level, pushing it harder and yeah. faster. And now, now that that's been watched, that's 10 plus years old. Right. That's ancient that's history. Happening. Yeah. Now it's just that, girls. That time period. Not those lots of girls. Yeah. The time period. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's this whole new thing and it's cool. I don't do it as much because it's less of a rare thing. Um, but I've always been interested in, you know, people doing a thing that don't always have access to it. And um, to me, that's fascinating. You know, I love seeing a thing that's being made, you know, a new thing. It's, it's um, just like what we saw at the skate parks back in the day. It was a new thing that we saw. It was dudes, mostly. Yeah. No, but I call that the pioneering generation. That's just what I, I call it. And that's what I kind of feel about some of the people that I shot. You know, at the time, it was very interesting to see these people pioneering this thing and again they don't think of it that way they feel you know they wanted more of an equality thing and you know um but to me it was like wow they do it differently and they dress differently and they bring a whole different thing to it and that's so cool and and, and i'm actually the same i have the same feeling about street you know like i look at it just in awe of how foreign it is to me like i'm in awe of that like it's so fucking rad those kids took that shit and they made this new shit with it Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's beyond gnarly. I mean, to the point where I look at it and go, I don't, I don't have any, I have such a different style and such a different feeling for what a skateboard means to me. Um, the thought of going down 15 stairs in any form, the rail or the stairs itself, it has, it doesn't really have any appeal to me. I have a lot, great mm -hmm. respect for what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but we definitely started in what was a surf fluid generation. You know, I mean, surfing was the original influence 
which was about motion. Yeah. And let's face it, skateboarding has now gone back and influenced surfing. Now, I actually feel surfing in the 70s influenced skateboarding from the fluidity and the carve and the flow. And, and that's where I got introduced to it. So I want motion. Motion is my most important thing, not abrasive motion. So that's where I kind of trip out on some of the street stuff. It's gnarly as hell, mm-hmm. but I like fluidity, not abrasiveness. You right. know, um, well, aren't there and, any uh, dudes that ride or chicks that ride that they're so fucking their style is so fucking beautiful that I'm talking street that you can just watch it all day long. You know, it's the same, isn't it? Aren't there riders that have that thing? You know, that- oh, yeah. Well, now it's now it's developed for a while. It was very all really abrasive. And now there's people that ride streets so fluid and so and so smooth that uh, it's it is it's insane to watch. And it's uh, unbelievable that somebody could grind a rail so casually and beautifully uh, yeah. down something you know uh, yeah. but it is definitely it's less attainable for le- for for as many people more people can sure. enjoy just motion and fluidity oh absolutely so so i always say i'm glad i grew up in an era when you didn't have to be amazing to be a pro skateboarder now you have to be amazing <laughs> yeah. and crazy but if you were a kid right now you'd be doing all that shit probably no no because i was thrill seekers no doubt i was jumping off the roof of my house when i was five years old yeah. just i thought it was you'd be, fun. You'd, be, you'd be fucking doing smith grinds down handrails you know i, mean, I don't, I, don't I guess the question is i say now would i still be walking at my age that's the problem <laughs> um, but a lot of them do retire and go into tranny yeah. at that point you know well i think around, you have to i think 20s. you really yeah, yeah over 50 uh, Ron Allen's a good friend of mine. One of the few guys who still street skates pretty, pretty damn good for That's a nine year old guy. Um, damn. it's going to be very few and far between. Uh, most guys, I think over 50 all become tranny riders because that's the only thing your body can handle. Yes. You no. Know, and I, and I don't know a lot of the guys that started out as the new generation of, of pro street guys in the early nineties to the late nineties. I wonder how many of them will be able to walk properly in their old, because that those, those knee, knee and ankle injuries are gnarly yeah um you get the arthritis some of us got the arthritis that's for sure <laughs> pretty crazy stuff yeah um, i got a split uh but it's been so fun you know well, sorry well, it was hey i just a short little chat i need to do more of them maybe i do one every week if i actually did a short little chat <laughs> <laughs> um well it was great it was great chatting with you and again i appreciate you having me on your podcast when you did um it was great and- people still love it but still literally i looked at that the other night and still on the top 10 the one with you no oh, that's good oh, I, well, nice to know thank yeah. thank you for those that have listened um i think my number one so far has been lance mountain um i think that's just you know people love people love lance how could you not love lance uh, sure um i did stevie cavallaro last week which i just need to edit and finish that i think that will probably do pretty good cool. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the most fun part is like you started with is, is sharing personal experience with, with people where you have common ground. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really interested in evaluating videos and talking about tricks and stuff like that. I'm just more about talking about people's experiences in their life. Uh, you know, the things they experienced in their life of skateboarding. So yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate what you've contributed. You know, you may not consider it much, but hey, t- taking the time as a, as a person who was, yeah. Uh, you know, worked at skate park in the 70s and got back into it and, and shared your, uh, we would say your, your journalistic effort to it, you know, sharing yeah. photos, sharing stories, uh, podcasting, you know, it definitely all helped get us to where we're at. And, well, I love skateboarding, you know, it's a, I can never, ever repay it. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Skateboarding has brought me more joy than I ever thought something could truly to think we're still doing it 50 years later. I and mean, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. So, all right, well, go enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Uh, I, I thank you for taking. Have the fun at Etney's gym. I'm gonna go skate there right now. I'm gonna, gonna skate the shit out of that place, dude. It's not Wednesday, but it's Tuesday at 11 a.m. and the kids are in school, <laughs> so I'm stoked. Um, so I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. And uh, okay, to all you listeners, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Talk to you later. This week's episode was presented by Bet Online.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.